Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pelvic Matters. I'm your host, Marina Castellanos, a physical therapist specializing in pelvic floor treatment in Westchester, New York. Today I invited Dana Coretta Stein on the show to talk about a pelvic floor condition called vaginismus and to discuss EMDR therapy. Dana Coretta Stein is a licensed mental health counselor and founder of Peaceful Living Mental Health Counseling, PLLC, and Coretta Consulting in Scarsdale, New York. She specializes in clinical psychotherapy to treat children, adolescents, and adults with anxiety, behavior, and trauma difficulties. She is a certified EMDR therapist, consultant in training, and regional coordinator of the Westchester EMDR Regional Network. Dana is also a business coach for wellness practitioners who are looking to build and grow their practice. Welcome to the show, Dana. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So we can tell listeners that this is our second attempt at this. The last time we did this, the tech gods just weren't with us that day. It was a they huge, on our side. <laughs> you know, it was a huge windstorm and nothing I could do was really able to kind of save our recording. But I'm so grateful that you are with me again today because I think this is such an important um, show to do. Talking about vaginismus, talking about what you offer um, therapeutically. So Absolutely. Really excited. Yeah. Okay. So why don't we just start off with some basics? Um, you know, what is vaginismus? So vaginismus is a condition that um, a lot of women report where it's, it's kind of like there's a muscle spasm in the pelvic floor, which, you know, how that affects people long-term is that, you know, it makes it painful, difficult, or almost impossible to have sex with their partner. Um, it can make uh, going to the doctor really uncomfortable. They might have difficulty using feminine products like tampons. Um, but basically, those muscles in the pelvic floor are in spasm, are tight, um, which can make it really hard to relax. Yes. And I think um, we can share with listeners, you know, is it only sexual trauma that causes vaginismus? No. So, um, and this is really like, you know, your wheelhouse, I'm sure there's a lot of other conditions that could cause vaginismus. The framework that I see it mainly is when I work with survivors of sexual assault. Um, so while that's one way, that's one uh, method that vaginismus can, you know, rear its head, so to speak, there are other conditions that could cause it as well. Yes. And like you said, I mean, in my practice, I do work with women of all ages who have vaginismus and some of them it's definitely stemming from some kind of unwanted sexual contact um and then there's also you know people who experience vaginismus after and you know maybe an uncomfortable visit with the OBGYN or um you know having some kind of UTI or some kind of infection that causes the muscle to spasm so there definitely are other you know, reasons for vaginismus and, and cause for that muscle tightening to happen. Um, you know, do you find that vaginismus can be treated um, from a psychological standpoint? Absolutely. So um, I always reference this one book all the time by Bessel van der Kolk, The Body Keeps the Score, because the title in and of itself, it's the whole book is amazing and I always recommend it. Um, but the title itself really just highlights what can happen in our body when we experience trauma. So even though we might not realize that something is affecting us, our body can tell us when something is. So, you know, we, a survivor may say something like, oh, well, I really have never thought about that, that incident that happened to me, but your body's responding. Mm -hmm. And anytime something, you know, resembles what happened to you, 
your body can't tell the difference between maybe, you know, safe sex with your partner versus an unwanted sexual content. So it just tenses up. So the body can definitely show us what we need to work on. Yes. And I really see that in clinic as well, because I see the frustration of women when they say, you know, like, why is my body tensing? He's my husband, or this is my partner. You know, why is this happening? And, you know, we go through the explanation that your, you know, your body doesn't understand that, you know, your body just senses on a certain level, you know, danger and just goes into this guarding and protective mode, even though it's totally unconscious, you know, the woman's not doing it on purpose to purposely, um, you know, avoid having intercourse or avoid being intimate, you know, with her partner. It's something that's really out of her conscious control. Exactly. Exactly. It's not in the conscious mind. Right. So how does your practice work with women who have vaginismus and other trauma-related pelvic conditions, um, you know, versus maybe what like a standard psychotherapy treatment is, or, you know, that's different from maybe cognitive behavioral treatment. Right. So we, um, in our practice, um, Peaceful Living Mental Health Counseling, which is in Scarsdale, we, uh, we're all, all of our therapists there are trained in EMDR therapy. And so for anyone who's not familiar, it stands for eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. So while, you know, there's no one size fits all for therapy, um, this is the approach that we usually take for survivors of sexual assault, um, but of course, first assessing whether or not it is the right fit for them. Where it differs from traditional talk therapy is that, especially with vaginismus, trauma is not cognitive. So when we work with the thoughts associated with what's going on, it's not enough to actually, you know, help improve the condition because it's it's deeper than that. So just thinking on a neurological level, our thoughts are more in our neocortex, which is higher leveling, higher level functioning part of the brain, whereas the part of the body that's responding when vaginismus happens is the deeper, more primitive levels of the brain. So that's our limbic system where our body is literally going into fight or flight. So if we change our thoughts, that's really, that's the, like I said, the neocortex, that upper part of the brain. And that's not going to help if it's the limbic system, the deeper parts of the brain that are actually getting impacted. And what EMDR does is it's able to get to that deeper level of trauma by focusing on the memories, the things that happened where the vaginismus really you know, started and reprocessing those memories. So that present day, your whole being, your downstairs brain and your upstairs brain knows that the danger is over that you're safe now so that that deeper part of the brain believes the thoughts that the upper part of the brain can have. Wow. I love that metaphor that you use of the downstairs brain and the upstairs brain. I think that makes it much more understandable to people um, because I do think it's a difficult concept to deal with when you're going through this that you know you can't control it and you know why is this happening you just feel like that disconnection um you know between your conscious mind and your muscles and your body right and a lot of people usually report feeling a lot of shame because of that because it's this i don't want to be doing this i don't want to be tensing up i i don't want to have these issues with my partner which creates this layer of shame which is you know another part of the trauma of you know, it's not your fault. It's this more primitive brain functioning 
that we have to bring to the surface so that we can heal it. Right, absolutely. And, and really in clinic, um, just like you said, that you know, women don't want to be tightening up. And really it's what I see so often is that women are often surprised when I'm doing you know, just a visual assessment. And really all I have to say is, okay, if we're going to get started doing a gentle internal exam and I see the vaginismus, I see the closing of the vaginal muscles and the vaginal canal. And then I'll say, did you feel that? You just tensed your muscles. And they say no, um, because there is just that disconnect there. And then we work towards you know, some mindfulness and trying to reconnect with the pelvic floor. Um, but it is so interesting that your body can just go into this protective mode and you have really just no idea. Exactly, exactly. It's, and mindfulness is just, you know, you hit the nail right on the head. It's this, our bodies can respond automatically without our conscious mind being aware. Mm -hmm. So when we start becoming more mindful and more aware of what's happening in our body, we then can bring consciousness to this subconscious or unconscious uh, behavior, quote unquote, that our body is doing. Right. I think it's so important that you also talked about how trauma is not cognitive, um, because like you said, there's so much shame um, and blame that tends to go with this kind of experience. Um, so I think working on something like this, like with yourself, your specialism, um, your specialty in EMDR therapy, I think really can just make such an impact with patients who maybe have had, let's say like a plateau with what other therapies they're experiencing um, and trying and even, um, you know, with my own practice, you know, people who just are so frustrated and because we can't restore that connection um, with the pelvic floor in a case, you know, this is really, I think, provides such a great option for people to go down a different path um, and really work on the trauma portion of it, you know, from a different level rather than just growing increasingly frustrated um, with the medical system saying, you know, oh, your muscles are just tight, you know, you just have to, you know, keep at it, or you just have to keep, you know, drinking wine and like, you know, because that happens. I mean, this is, you know, this many a time I've heard from a female, from a woman that, you know, with nervous, who was nervous about having intercourse and, you know, her physician, and a lot of times a physician might be a female, saying, you know, oh, just relax, have a glass of wine. Um, right. You know, it's just beyond, um, you know, inappropriate and just so disheartening when, you know, somebody hears that. Exactly. Instead of saying, you know, I wonder what would happen if we got curious about your body, about mm -hmm. why your body was responding in that way. And also like, you know, traditionally when we think about EMDR, there's a, a misconception about there that EMDR is just phase four, which is, you know, actually working on the specific memories, but there's, you know, three phases before that, which is, you know, exploring the resistance, where uh, stabilization techniques, getting more history, you know, that part that say that doesn't want to connect to your body. And when was that part really helpful? And joining that resistance and getting more curious about what, how your body responded in that, in that way, because your body really did that to try to protect you. Yeah. And just yeah. really starting to get grateful of, you know, that my body was actually really in that moment when it tensed up, it's because it was trying to protect me from something bad that was about to happen. Mm -hmm. And rather than blaming my body now, maybe I should thank it for doing its job and letting it know that the danger is over and it doesn't have to work so hard anymore.
Yes, I think that's a great thing for people to remember is that when you do have a muscle spasm happening, like in the case of vaginismus or really anywhere in the body, because I mean, muscle spasms can happen anywhere. It's really your body's protective response to avoiding injury or avoiding danger or avoiding trauma that you had previously had. Our, body, our bodies are wonderful at remembering past pain, yep. past danger, past traumas. So that tensing, you know, it it's, has a purpose. It's really there to protect us, just like you said. Yeah, absolutely. It's just trying to do its job, which is to keep us safe. Excellent. So Dana, I would love for people to know, um, you know, what's the first step? You know, if they, if EMDR therapy, um, you know, if they want to know if this is right for them, you know, what would be the first step that they should do? So the first step is to call and schedule a free consult. We do 15 minute free consults with anyone who calls our office is inquiring about if it's a good fit. Um, and also it's not just the therapy itself, but it's also the therapist. So, you know, I'm a firm believer that the relationship with a the therapist is one of the most important factors for change to take place. So while I believe EMDR is incredibly effective, you also want to feel comfortable with the person that you're working with. Um, because for all we know, there could be subconscious things going on. Maybe your therapist is reminding you of someone in your past that was not safe. Mm. Um, you know, those transference, counter-transference issues that can come up. Um, so you also want to interview the therapist and make sure that you feel comfortable working with that person. Mm. And then from there, you know, you start, let's say, you do your consultation and you 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 and the therapist both believe it's a good fit then you start just doing the history taking which is phase one of emdr which a lot of people think it's just talk therapy but it's phase one history taking getting an understanding of what's what the present day functioning is other experiences that have happened early on that might be contributing to the present day functioning assessing for if there are um, you know, a good support system that you have right now in order to do deeper trauma work. All of these things are important before you actually start talking about specific memories. Mm. I think I think that's so helpful. And I think it's such a great point um, when you're talking about finding not just somebody who does the therapy, but somebody who's the right fit for you as a therapist. Because really in any kind of healthcare setting or wellness setting, I mean, you really want to have that relationship with your care provider that you feel is right for you, that is comfortable, um, because if it's not, that's really gonna work against, you know, whatever goal you have for your therapy. Exactly, because if you don't feel safe with the person that you're working with, working on memories where you were not safe is gonna be really difficult. Mm. And Dana, can you talk a little bit about with the EMDR therapy, um, the eye movement component of it? Yeah, yeah. so the eye movement component is phase four, um, which is the desensitization phase. So, you know, you might do eye movements in phase two or, you know, eye movements are just one form of what we call bilateral stimulation, which is either tapping left and right. Um, you know, with telehealth, we do like a butterfly hug. We can do eye movements virtually as well. Um, but it's any type of bilateral movement which gets both of your hemispheres online talking to each other. Because as we know, the, the left part of our brain controls the right side of our body and the right controls the left. Um, so those eye movements, tracking your eyes back and forth is lighting up your whole brain, which activates your memory network, which is helping you to actually bring in adaptive information that may be disconnected, which is helping making it difficult 
for you to reprocess a traumatic memory. So the mm -hmm. eye movements actually facilitate that process and bring in adaptive information so that the memory can, the best way to describe it is can be like fully digested and stored correctly in the brain. Okay. So there's four phases to the therapy. There's eight phases, actually. <laughs> okay. Do you want to give a brief um, description of some of the other phases, just so people sure. know? Yep. So like I said, um, you know, the first phase is history taking. So based on the eight phase model, phase one is history taking. Phase two is resourcing, which is some stabilization work, helping you to be more mindful, helping you to um, what we call widening the window of tolerance so that when we do start talking about things that are stressful, we don't actually re-traumatize you. Mm -hmm. So you don't go into hyper arousal or hypo arousal. So that's the phase two is really, really important. I say all the time and all my consultees hear me say, don't skimp on the resourcing. It's really important because then as we start to move towards phases three and four, which is target assessment and de uh, desensitization, that's actually targeting specific memories. And that can be activating. We want a client to feel somewhat activated, but not to the point of a panic attack or a complete shutdown from the body. Yeah. And then from there, phase five is installation, meaning that we've desensitized a memory and now we're trying to install the positive things that the beliefs that we have about ourselves now, the positive sensations that we feel in our body now when we think about the memory. Mm -hmm. And then we move on to body scan, making sure that there's no, which is really important for vaginismus, making sure now when I think of this memory, do, is my, you know, am I still tightening down there or does it feel quote unquote clear, um, which is really important. And then moving on to the um, reevaluation and closure. So just kind of the, the last couple of phases are, are quicker than the others. Um, and then we also do, you know, it's based, EMDR is based on a three-prong approach, past, present, and future. So we clear out past traumas, anything happening in the present, and then we go to the future. And the future is actually really important. All the research on EMDR incorporates what's called the future template. So now as you imagine, you know, having sex with your husband or your wife, what, you know, what comes to mind What's the belief you have about yourself? What do you feel in your body? All of that and desensitizing any anxiety or dissociation related to something that might come up in the future mm. so that we can improve, improve confidence, improve um, a relaxed body, all of that. Wow. Okay. So thank you so much. Um, it's a lot of information I know. <laughs> it is, but I really want listeners to, you know, know and become familiar about this because I feel like EMDR is not really well known. It's um, not. It's like, yeah. it's, which is so um, mind boggling to me because it's so effective. I was even actually watching like one of my shows that I watch all the time, The Good Doctor, and they had um, an episode on PTSD and they were like, there's no, this person, this patient has had um, no successful treatment. And they talked about CBT and talk therapy and like this amygdala obliteration. And I was like, there's no mention of EMDR. I was like, what the hell? I'm like, this is the number one treatment. Yeah. see like so it's but it's not as well known so that's yeah. kind of like my um my thing in life I feel like is to make it more well known <laughs> I know well I understand your feelings that's why I do this podcast to help make things more known about the pelvic floor and conditions and what we can do so I'm definitely with you on that so that's the word okay. there is help yeah. available 
Yes. I, and really, I think that's like the perfect parting words to leave listeners with, that there is help available. Do not stop digging. Do not stop searching. And if one modality, you know, wasn't enough for you or you didn't feel right with it, you know, let's try something else. Um, yeah. Absolutely. No one size fits all. So you will have to find the modality that works for you. Yes. 100%. Dana, thank you so much. Can you tell listeners, um, tell listeners where to find you and to follow you? Yep. So they can, um, you can find me online. Um, Our website is peacefullivingmentalhealthcounseling.com. As I mentioned, we're located in Scarsdale. Um, You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Instagram is peacefullivingcounseling. And I also have my individual therapist page, which is the EMDR coach. Um, So you can find us there. You can find us on Facebook. Um, We're kind of all over. (laughs) It's hard to not find us. (laughs) All right. Awesome. All right, Dana, thank you so much again. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pelvic Matters. And tune in next time. Bye-bye.